Great God and Heavenly Father, please do open our eyes. Please do help us and enable us to see Jesus, to see him clearly and to see him more and more clearly. We ask it through him. Amen. Everything is crystal clear with the benefit of hindsight. Back in 1997, without the benefit of hindsight, the story of an Albuquerque-born man deciding to take his book-selling website to the stock market at $1.73 US a share, it's a story which really didn't interest a whole lot of people. But seeing Amazon shares skyrocket uh, past $3,000 US dollars in 2020 puts a different perspective on the little book-selling website. Hindsight is 2020. Actually, with 2020 hindsight, you could have doubled any spare cash you had in 2020. The Amazon share price doubled between March and September. I know not particularly helpful to mention that today. It would have been more useful a year ago, but... Everything is crystal clear with the benefit of hindsight. It was only with the benefit of hindsight that anyone grasped the true significance of what Jesus said and did. If they had the technology, thousands of people could have shared snippets with the internet, a selfie with Jesus at his baptism, a before and after shot of a leper who Jesus healed, well, leper before and not leper anymore, a snippet from a sermon, a summary of a confrontation. Uh, I'm thinking of a collage with a packed lunch, 12 basketfuls of leftover, and thousands of well-fed men, women, and children looking like they can eat no more. The people who were there knew exactly what happened. They could confirm what was said. Now, Mark only tells us a fraction of what they all saw. But you'll see Jesus more clearly by reading Mark's gospel than if you had been there with them. You see, we can wonder if anyone really knows what Jesus was really like. Is it possible to see Jesus as clearly as the disciples did then? They saw him, they spoke with him. 2,000 years ago, 14,000 kilometers away, it all seems a long way off. But don't be deceived by the distance. You'll see Jesus more clearly by reading Mark than if you had been there. You'll see Jesus more clearly by reading Mark than if you had been there. It's true for you and it's true for your friends. If you'd been there, you would have seen the same things as everyone else and heard the same things as everyone else. Now, I want to mention, though, that Mark himself didn't see much of this. Matthew and John, they're the eyewitness gospel writers. Uh, The man who wrote this gospel probably didn't see much of what he writes about. He certainly didn't have the front row privilege of being one of the twelve. Twelve disciples. But this gospel has been accepted and copied and circulated among the churches from very early days after it was written. It makes no claims about who who wrote it. And 50 years after it was written, when the question of who wrote it came up, John Mark, who traveled with the Apostle Peter, was identified as the author. Uh, I'll put a snippet from Eusebius History uh, on a slide. Uh, a quote there from the uh, I guess Turkish bishop, uh, Papias, um, identifying John Mark as the, the author. 
if early believers had no idea who wrote it and were guessing who wrote, we might expect them to point to an apostle. You know, that's what happened with the uh, gospel according to Thomas, kind of not written by Thomas, but claimed to have his authority. No, it seems more likely that they knew who wrote this gospel. It's just that it hadn't made it onto papyrus up until the, the time when the historian wrote. Mark wasn't actually there for everything he writes about. But he didn't make it up because he wrote what he was told. Just like an investigative journalist who interviews eyewitnesses, takes notes, discovers truth, and then writes so that others can know what they know. But Mark mostly wrote what the disciple apostle Peter taught him. I guess he's more like an unauthorized biographer who writes what he hears from a central person in the life of the person they're writing about. He wrote about 30 years after the events happened. Uh, That's not when he first heard the stories, the history. It's just when he wrote. And 30 years delay certainly doesn't mean that he can't be trusted. It's a long time compared to a live stream or Instagram post published uh, as history happened. But it's not a long time in terms of remembering major events. Mark wrote when the big picture and the details could still be checked. So a guy who was 20 when Jesus healed the, the paralytic, who was let down through the roof uh, and walked out immediately when Jesus said, stand up, walk out. That man, 20 when it happened, 50 when Mark wrote. A 15-year-old girl in the crowd when Jesus taught the parable of the sower, she'd have been about 45 when Mark wrote. A 30-year-old Pharisee who tried to trip Jesus in his teaching would have been about 60 when Mark wrote. They all knew what they saw and heard. Mark wrote what an eyewitness told him, and he wrote when there were thousands of eyewitnesses to fact-check with. And it's the Gospel writer Luke who did that work. He's the first-century investigative journalist. Reading the gospel, the two Gospels side-by-side, side, Luke and Mark, Luke seems to have used Mark's Gospel as one of his sources when he was gathering up the reports and checking what he was told with eyewitnesses a few years after Mark wrote. He wrote his own edited and expanded account of Jesus to help bring the same message to a wider audience. But he confirmed what Mark had written. Mark wrote close enough to the events for everything he wrote to be confirmed with eyewitnesses, and when the facts were checked, it confirmed that he'd written what had happened. He wrote what happened in history. Now, it's important to know that he write, what he writes is true to what happened, but he does more than that. He explains what happened. He writes with what I want to call apostolic hindsight, the, the hindsight of the apostles, What I mean is that Mark isn't just flicking through Instagram posts and filling out a few details from things that he's aware of. He's teaching. He's teaching the things the eyewitnesses didn't see at the time. He's teaching what the apostles saw as they looked back at what happened. They didn't see Jesus clearly as it happened. They saw and heard everything But the eyewitnesses didn't see the truth about Jesus at the time. Almost none of them twigged to the truth. This is why Jesus uh, kept urging them not to tell other people who he was. You'll see that as one of the curious things reading Mark's Gospel. But, you see, they couldn't tell the truth because they didn't see the truth. No one saw Jesus at the time with the clarity that Mark will show him to us. 
Mark will show us Jesus in Galilee on the way to Jerusalem uh, and then in Jerusalem itself. If you were one of the eyewitnesses who was there for any or all of that, you could have seen it and still been as blind to who Jesus is as the religious leaders who arranged his death. As confused as the crowd who keep being amazed but never arrive at an accurate answer to the question, who is this man? You could have seen him, you could have seen it all, and still barely begun to see who Jesus is, what he came to do, and why it matters. The disciple apostles were like that. They, they saw but didn't really see. Now in chapter 1 verse 1, Mark calls Jesus Christ, the God's promised king. Uh, halfway into chapter 1, Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, they're following him. But as the story unfolds, it's obvious that they don't really know who they're following. Mark only mentions some of the miracles that they all saw, a sample of the things that Jesus said and taught. They were there for all of it, following and seeing and listening. But when Jesus asks them who they think he is, and Peter speaks up and calls Jesus Christ, it's immediately obvious that Peter sees but doesn't see clearly. He's right, Jesus is the Christ, but he's wrong. He wants to be the one to tell Jesus how to be Christ. It's like he sees Jesus right in front of him. He sees that he is Christ. But most of the details of what Jesus being Christ means are completely out of focus. Now, he's not alone. Most of the eyewitnesses saw and heard and could agree with what happened. But they didn't see where it all points. Mark's going to show you strangers to Jesus, his family members. He's going to show you religious leaders, committed followers who saw and heard Jesus, but failed to see who was right in front of them. Thousands of eyewitnesses blind to the truth, thousands who saw Jesus do and heard Jesus say, but never really saw him, never got past a blurred image of the beginnings of the truth about him. But some saw, and Peter was one of them. Uh, Mark includes a story to help us see what happened in Peter and the other disciples. It comes halfway through chapter 8, and when Mark writes, uh, verse 22, They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. Now, if you'd, we'd read all of chapters 1 to 7 and the first bit of chapter 8, we, we'd, we'd be expecting something to happen here. We'd know exactly what to expect. We'd expect Jesus to do what he's done thousands of times before. We'd expect him to heal the man with a word or with a touch. We'd expect him to give this blind man his sight in an instant. But he doesn't. Verse 23, he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. He sees, but he barely sees. It's an unfocused blur. Then Jesus laid his hands 
on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now, why did Jesus heal like that? <laughs> Mark hasn't set us up to think it's because this man was hard to heal. But so why this stage one, and then stage two? And why does Mark choose to mention it? Well, because it gives us a picture of the disciples moving from blindness to blurred vision to clear sight. The very next thing in chapter 8 is Jesus asking them, who do people say that I am? And the disciples tell Jesus the crowd's blind answers. Then Jesus asks them, but who do you say that I am? Peter gives his unfocused blur answer. Jesus is the Christ. He knows that. But the detail of what it means is so out of focus that he criticizes Jesus as soon as he starts to spell out what being Christ involves. He sees an unfocused blur. But he will see Jesus more clearly. Mark shows us bringing... uh, Mark shows us Jesus bringing this man from blindness to blurred vision to clear sight. To give us a picture of what Jesus did with Peter and his other disciple apostles. To give us a picture of what we need him to do in us while we read. To move us from blindness to blurred vision to clear sight and ever clearer sight. See, one implication of all this has got to be that saying like, don't walk away while... What you see is still blurred. Mark's going to tell you what happened in history uh, with enough information so that you can see why it matters. He invites you in, invites you to see what the eyewitnesses saw, to see what this, and to see the significance they didn't see until later. He invites you to see what the apostles saw with the benefit of hindsight. So keep reading until you see clearly. Keep seeing, reading until you see more and more clearly. So I'm not just saying that to you if you're new to reading the Bible. Uh, if you're curious but not yet committed. Uh, now I do think it's important for you to take time to get past your first impressions. To get past the blur. But if you've been reading the Bible for years and years, don't assume that you've got it all in focus. I'm expecting that I'll see Jesus more clearly as we read Mark together. Keep reading until you see Jesus clearly. And if you see him clearly, keep reading so that you will see him more clearly. Now, I said earlier, you'll see Jesus more clearly by reading Mark than you would have seen him if you'd been there. It's God's work to help you see So pray, ask him to enable you, ask him to help you. But God communicates through words. So I also want to say, read carefully. Mark tells us what really happened, but he's also selected which stories to tell and he's organized them to help us understand. He wrote carefully to help you see clearly. I think it's helpful to imagine the snippets of the story uh, like pearls uh, in a bowl, um, the, the And the way that Mark connects them, like the string that he adds those pearls onto. So then you wind up with the the whole story, the whole account of Jesus' life, like pearls on a string. Now you need to look at both the pearls and the string in order to hear what God says through Mark. 
You could focus on the snippets of the stories, add in details from other Gospels, uh, as if the events were the important things. Or you could focus on the connections and arrangement, which is what some folk do when they uh, set Mark down beside Luke and Matthew and start looking at what are the differences in the way they connect things. No, there's a place for that. It's got some interest, but it's not really what Mark is for. God's revelation to us is not historical events we didn't see. And Mark didn't write so that his focus could be understood in contrast to Gospels written years later. Mark's carefully crafted report is God's revelation to us. He places the snippets of stories carefully. He connects them with each other so that as the story unfolds, we get to see Jesus. He tells us Jesus is Christ long before anyone in the story says it. That shapes the way we hear it. He includes the blind to blurred vision to clear sight miracle so that we'll see the disciples' blurred vision becoming increasingly clear. Both the pearls and the string matter. When we give attention to all of it, the snippets of stories, how they're arranged and connected, we get to hear what God says about his son through Mark. So over the next couple of months or so, I want to help you read carefully so you'll hear what Mark says and get to see Jesus more clearly. We'll move moderately quickly and you'll get the most out of our time together and time revisiting it in your discipleship group or just rereading and rethinking. If you are reading the whole gospel and rereading the whole gospel, you'll see more clearly how the snippets of the story relate to each other. You'll see more clearly how they build together to show you what happened and why it matters. But more importantly, you'll see what happened and why it matters you'll see Jesus more clearly. So whether you've been following Jesus for years and years or you're just curious about why your friends think Jesus is worth following, Mark is a great guide. He'll tell you what happened and what was said. He'll tell you what the things that any eyewitness could have told you, but he'll do more than that. He'll give you the benefit of apostolic hindsight. As the story unfolds, he'll point you to what it means for how you think about Jesus. He'll highlight why this ancient history matters more than anything else. He'll show you Jesus. And when you see Jesus clearly, it will be more obvious why you should follow him. When you see Jesus clearly, it'll be more obvious that there is no decision in life, not for you, or your friends, or your family, there is no better decision in life than to follow Jesus. When you see Jesus more clearly, it will be more obvious what following him means for Monday to Sunday, and stretching out into eternity. When you see Jesus more clearly, when we see Jesus more clearly, we'll know and feel that the one who gave himself as our ransom is worth following even if it costs everything. As we read Mark together, we'll see Jesus more clearly than if we'd been in the crowd when Jesus came through town working wonders and teaching truth. We'll see him more clearly than the apostles did at the time. 
Let's ask God to open our eyes so that we see Jesus more clearly as we read Mark together. Let's pray. Our great God, thank you that you do speak the Bible to us. Please, as we read Mark together in these coming weeks and months, please do open our eyes. Please show us Jesus. Please show him to us more clearly. That would that it might be more obvious to us why we should follow, that there's no better thing for us or for friends and family, and that we'll see what it means in the day-to-day things of life to follow him while we await his return. We ask it through the same Lord Jesus. Amen.